You're now listening to Sanity at the Movies, Disney Princess Edition. My name is Nathan Oberson, your humble and obedient host. We are going to talk today about, eh, I don't know that she's one of my favorite princesses in the lineup, but it, the movie's pretty good. Let me introduce you to my two compatriots who will be discussing this cinematic achievement with me. We've got Benjamin Solzer right there. Hi, Nathan. Hi, Ben. How are you? I'm all right. Why don't How are you, you? Why don't you introduce? I'm fine. Why don't you introduce the third person? I will. It is Pastor Jake Mensel. Hey. Master of Disney? Sure. The Disney master. Yeah. The Disney master. He's taking over for Bob Iger, I think. Yep. Really? No. Should. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously. Yeah, uh, yeah obviously. <laughs> the people have spoken. <laughs> people have spoken. Yeah. Oh, brother. All right, guys. Let's talk about 1992's Aladdin. Mm. That's what I said last time. I tried to say that Beauty and the Beast was done in 1992, but Ben, quick on the draw as ever, said, no, Nathan, it was 91. You moron. Huh. And boy, did I feel did foolish. I? You did. Man. Yeah. Can now, a couple of things about this movie. Some, some, some pipe that we should lay that will get the water of great podcasting to the people. This movie needs to be understood as a follow-up, not to Beauty and the Beast, but to The Little Mermaid. It's by the same production team, the same directors that did the, A Little Mermaid. And it was, of course, in production while Beauty and the Beast was in production. Animated movies take a while to make. So if you think about this movie as kind of building on the groundwork, not that was laid by Beauty and the Beast, but that was laid by Little Mermaid, it actually makes a lot of sense, I think. Like this is the next evolution, not of the Beauty and the Beast style, but of the Little Mermaid style. I mean, it's really almost the same story. It's like young person, not happy with their situation in life. Practice. That's the first act. Second act, they get a chance to practice some crazy deception. Third act, perfunctory action, climax, resolves everything quickly. It's kind of what Little Mermaid did. And then Aladdin did it, I would argue, way better with more exciting things for boys. There's not a lot to talk about in this movie in terms of context, except for I always like to tell people that the story of Aladdin was introduced by a Frenchman in the 18th century. Antoine Galland acquired the tale supposedly from a Marionite storyteller named Hannah Dayab. But the thing is, when all those crazy 101 Arabian night tales were collected, Alibaba wasn't part of it. Sinbad the Sailor wasn't part of it. Aladdin wasn't part of it. They were all introduced later. I think all three of them by a Frenchman. So... The stories that Those we are like all the stories we remember. All the stories we remember, mm, yeah. And if you actually go back and read the real Arabian Nights, it's really—I I don't know that I recommend it. It's really pretty. If you find a unexpurgated translation, it's pretty dark. It's pretty sexual. It's pretty demonic. It's just gross. It's eye-opening to see, like, oh, this is what a non-Western, non-Judeo-Christian culture would write about. I mean, to, to just. You said you said something about when you Jake when you tried to show your kids a Miyazaki movie. Yeah, so otherly. Yeah, that it was really off-putting and difficult for them to wrap their heads around it. They didn't know what to expect. And it's not the one that mm-hmm. you showed them had a bunch of like sex or violence or anything like that. Obviously, no, it it's just, just was it. Di- it was. This is a different value system. Yeah, very different. Yeah, so different that it was just very very disturbing to them. Right. You read the original Arabian Nights, and that's. In, in addition to a lot of sex and violence and weird demonic stuff, you'll just get like, wow, the assumptions, the the things that we're doing with our slaves, the things that we're doing with our women, the things that we're doing, you know, in terms of our uh, the spirit world and everything are so different than anything that 
I'm used to. Um, except for, of course, Alibaba, Aladdin, and Sinbad are all much more homogenized Western. They're still pretty out there stories if you read the originals, you know, certainly compared to the Disney version. Mm-hmm. But they're much they're much more approachable. And the reason is they're not arguably part of the text. So where did they come? Where did the Frenchman get them from? Well, he said he got them from a Arabic story a storyteller. Okay. We don't have documentation of that. So my understanding is, as far as we know, some French dude could have just made it up. And <laughs> that sounds cool. <laughs> Thrown it in there. He never claimed that. And we have some... These are my travels across... My name is Gulliver. And I've traveled to many lands. Right, exactly. There's some evidence huh. that the storyteller guy... Well, that... I was talking to this Arab once in my journeys, and these are the stories that... Right. <laughs> there's there's some evidence that maybe he did get it from a real source, but what we don't have is any primary source that actually goes back to any kind of Arabic text or anything like that. Like, the first place it actually just shows up in history is some French guy not in medieval, whatever you called the Islamic state back then, but in the 18th century. So <laughs> relatively modern compared to hmm. when a lot of these stories were written. So that's just some fun trivia for you. The three stories that you definitely know and have probably read in school from the Arabian Nights are not actually from the Arabian Nights. It is kind of funny to think of that in relation to the fact that everybody's so mad about the story of Aladdin. You know, people... Like at least the liberal internet people like to complain that the movie Aladdin that we're talking about today is kind of racist, and I guess we can talk about that if we want to. But they they try to clean up a lot of that stuff in the 2019 Guy Ritchie live action one, mm-hmm. have less you know hook nosed Arabic stereotypes, and be sure to cast actors for the leads that actually look like they're part of the culture and not kind of basically white like Aladdin kind of looks like in most shots, except for when he doesn't. So anyway, that's really, I don't think that there's much other context that we need for the movie. I think it's fun to talk about the the original story, which I've said what I want to say about that. And it's fun to, I think it's important to realize that anything they sort of learned or any trend they were on with Beauty and the Beast would really be roll into things like The Lion King, Pocahontas, certainly The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which is the same creative team as Beauty and the Beast. But Nobody was saying like, oh, we did all this stuff in Beauty and the Beast. We got to make sure to get that into Aladdin. Aladdin is just the natural outflowing of The Little Mermaid, of that creative team. It's also the natural outflowing of Howard Ashman, who I like to talk about on every one of these, who's a very creative and clever man. He really wanted to do the Aladdin story. He died halfway through production, never got to see the, he's the, if you haven't listened to our other Sanity at the Movies things on this, he's the lyricist with Mencken the musician he died of aids somewhere halfway through the production and it's a shame because he was a very clever man and his lyrics are very clever and his story because like he was the one who said he pitched it to disney like we should do aladdin this is a good story i think he had the angle on how to kind of modernize it and bring it into you know make it something that people that kids would be interested in he had that he had the whole package basically it was his idea he was a very creative Mm -hmm. man and a good lyricist i think you can tell that maybe this is going to be the first of many comments that sound a little snobby or something like that but i think you can tell the difference between the lyrical genius of ashman who wrote things like one jump and you never got a friend like me or whatever that song's called and the more kind of tepid conservative regular lyrics that somebody like tim rice wrote for whole new world which i like the lyrics in whole new world but they're not genius level like what a lot of 
Ashman did. Uh, we've talked about it before, but what baggage do you guys bring to Aladdin? Oh, one other thing I should say. Just a, one other bit of table setting before you guys get there. Uh, Hirschfeld. Al Hirschfeld. You know the caricature guy? The guy yeah. that drew yep. carriage for this movie is based on his style. And you can definitely tell. And it's really cool. All the characters are kind of in that exaggerated, almost, cal- what's the adjective form of calligraphy? Calligraphic. <laughs> curly Q kind of style. Mm-hmm exaggerated style of Hirschfeld and that was a conscious choice and it really works well especially for Robin Williams and for Jafar he's got the, those great exaggerated features really the only characters that are kind of bland traditional characters are Aladdin and Jasmine and so I don't know if Jasmine's bland but we'll talk about that I suppose when we get to it so baggage Ben baggage Nathan I saw this over and over as a kid as many times in the theater as I could convince my parents to take me and loved it and would watch it on home video. And I remember that my parents thought the genie was really funny and thought the movie was just okay. Mm -hmm. But that it was clearly like the best Disney movie because adventure, action, jokes. You thought that, not you. I thought that. Yeah, Yeah, that it was the best Disney movie. Better than Little Mermaid for sure. Better than Beauty and the Beast, which was okay. And I don't know, that's it. Then I didn't see it until uh, last night for about 20 years, maybe. So last night was your first time revisiting it since... Since I was like 15 or 17 or maybe 15. I don't know. Oh boy, that's a good hook for a podcast. All it right, we'll, we'll come back and yeah. find out what Ben thought about Aladdin you after should. 20 years. Yeah. Maybe you should just leave and we shouldn't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Suckers. Suckers, you'll never know. <laughs> Jake, your baggage. Uh, this is easily my favorite Disney movie as a kid growing up uh, for all the same reasons. Adventure, you could be a... Uh, a boy and unashamedly like it because it was about Aladdin. It wasn't about a Disney princess. The genie was funny. It was a great relatable story and romantic. Yeah. I mean, that's we weren't beautiful. We weren't allowed to own the VHS. I think because Aladdin was a thief and thieves are, you know, it's a against the Bible. And so we weren't allowed to own the VHS. Uh, We had a number of, weird rules like that we weren't allowed to watch the smurfs things like that that a lot of i like to say the smurfs one in particular because every time i say it on a podcast somebody says yeah i wasn't allowed to watch the smurfs either because they were magical or whatever we i was definitely in one of those kinds of houses growing up and so we weren't actually allowed to own aladdin and so it had a little bit of that allure of the forbidden but also i watched it a million times at friends houses i remember seeing it in the theater with my dad and he liked it. He just didn't want us to own the VHS. We owned all the other. We owned Beauty and the Beast and Lion King. Lion King was the big VHS for me. We wore that out. Mm-hmm. I probably still have that movie basically memorized. Life's not fair, is it? You see, I shall never be king, and you, you shall never see the light of another day would be the first. And you, yeah. You shall never see the light of another day. And you, did your mother ever tell you not to play with your food? Anyway, we don't get to talk about the Lion King this uh, round. Zazie made me lose my lunch. You made me lose my lunch. You'll lose more than that when the king's through with you. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I had both Aladdin and Lion King. Those were the two I had memorized word for word. Those were obviously the two great ones as far as I was concerned. And Aladdin probably would have been the one that I liked even better, but I never got to own it and memorize it. So I remember being very conscious of the fact that most of my friends had the thing memorized. Like they they just knew it cold and I never had the opportunity to know it quite as cold. But Watching it again after all these years, I could say along, you know, I could sing along and say along with most of it. So I must have seen it a lot. I do remember being, I mean, it is a very distinct and sharp memory that my dad in particular thought the genie was hilarious. I remember him laughing and laughing and laughing at the genie, laughing in anticipation at the genie. You know, we'd 
get the VHS somehow or, or have it and we'd watch it and he would be laughing just like, here he comes. You know, I was like one of the things that I remember really strongly about the movie is how much the genie scored with parents in particular. And of course, I thought the genie was awesome. What kid didn't love the genie? So, yeah, I mean, that's basically my history with Aladdin. I think that's probably everybody's history with Aladdin. I've, I've seen it in the intervening years, and I had a point in my early 20s, kind of like I think I've talked about on the other podcasts where I rewatched Beauty and the Beast, rewatched A Little Mermaid, realized, oh, these are really great. They're really doing something there. Well, I kind of had the opposite thing with Aladdin, where I watched it at some point when I'd kind of learned more about movies and more about storytelling, and it felt a little thin, and it didn't hold up as well. And I think I was kind of, that's obviously, if people haven't picked up, uh, informed some of what I've said over the years on the podcast, but watching it again, I guess, I guess I'll just go ahead and say I was pleasantly surprised and I sort of expected to be pleasantly surprised. Like if you put away your expectation that this be the greatest movie of all time, it's, it's a fun movie. Now, maybe that will still be damning it with faint praise by some people's standards. I don't know. Let's talk about it. Ben, maybe we should finally put the people out of their suspense. They've been sitting on the edges of their seats. They want to know, what did you think about coming back to Aladdin after all these years? I thought it was... 30 years after the fact. 30, 30 years. 28 years since well, the movie came okay. out. okay. Yeah. 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 Yep. It was good, but it was not like awesome. It wasn't like being a kid again. I don't think I really blame the movie for that. But I just, things that are weak. Especially in comparison to Beauty and the Beast, which I just saw, also prob- probably was as long a gap mm-hmm. seeing that movie too. And I that one, I loved. I enjoyed it more than I did when I was a kid, and it held up. It's excellent. This one, I don't know. I don't think I expected it to be awesome like it was when I was a boy, but I did see plot holes and character issues and jokes weren't as funny and cool moments weren't as cool. And I, you know, just more felt more withdrawn from it. Just like looking at it like an object. Like an object. Not like a, a boy's adventure experience. Yeah, a little bit like some of those princes was. like to look at Prince Jasmine. Man. As an object. Yeah. But she's not a prize to be won, Ben. She's not a prize to be won. Yeah. It's a good thing that uh, it's a good thing that she knew her own value. That princess <laughs> Princess Jasmine. <laughs> That's what I have to say about that. I I, I I I realize that this is bad faith criticism to say this, but boy. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Is this bad faith criticism? The Let's fact see. that she's a 15 year old really the whole time was taking me out of the movie. Like, <laughs> I just forgot that she was. I just forgot that she was. Is too, it? Was it? It is. I think it is established early on, right? She has to be she, wed before her 16th birthday. Right. Oh, I, which really, I didn't even hear that. I, I remember that they said I that, heard but it. I didn't but hear it, it. But that's, I mean, that's this, that's exactly how old Ariel was. Right. Well, and in both cases, the characters are sort of voiced and drawn I'm as... I'm 16. I'm not a child anymore. Right. You know, and that was it was like her musical debut was her 16th birthday or something right. like that. Right, exactly. Oh, yeah. And in both cases, that never mattered as a kid, but... And Jasmine the, is practically 16. She's got like three days. Yeah. Well, and, and again, maybe it is unfair to say like... But then you have the scene where she's like, ooh, Mr. Jafar. And you're like, ah, she's 15. Um, at least I was. So, anyway, Jake. I didn't think about it. I did not either. <laughs> it, it, it definitely puts a pall on all the, I, the, the Jasmine and Jafar of it all. I, but you're so old. Yeah, she's 15. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm willing to let this just be a bad faith criticism. I think maybe it is. I think it, the move, for all intents and purposes, maybe. she's 18 as far as the movie plays her. 
Uh, or older. Or older. I don't know. The voice is husky and deep. The, I mean, sorry to say it, but the way that she's drawn is more like an 18-year-old. Yeah. You're not, it's kind of the same thing with Ariel, actually. Although, well, Ariel's drawn as younger, but she's voiced as, Ariel to me sounds like she's about 28 and looks like she's about 15, 16. So anyway, this is our Disney princess edition, folks. So I feel like we have to talk about these things. But um, plus Jasmine's worth talking about in some detail if we're going to talk about it, which I wasn't, I didn't remember Jake. Um, By the way, I'm going to let you get your baggage here. But Jake this whole time has been like, we're going to have to talk about Princess Jasmine. And I seeing it naively, remembering it naively through my boyhood, which I must have seen it mostly like before, during my early boyhood, didn't really think that that was going to be much of an issue. But boy, it's an issue. Yep. Yep. Jasmine and Ariel. The two least modest Disney princesses, hands down. Yeah, and I think Jasmine might take the cake just by not having a fish fin yeah. attached. She got hips. She got hips, yep, and they're not. She got that belly button. She got that belly button. Jake, what'd you think about Aladdin this time? <laughs> I I think it's fun. I think it's a great Disney movie. A lot of the humor is dated, especially, and that's a function of the places and ways that they went meta and dated themselves. Right. Every, you know, it was really novel. Part of the humor of it at, at the start was, is really novel. And they, you know, they had the idea of, Oh, we're going to throw the beast in the tower Mm -hmm. of toys, or we're going to have genie turn into Pinocchio or, you know, he pulls Sebastian out when he's, yeah, he pulls Mm -hmm. Sebastian out. Yeah. All All that that kind of meta stuff. Yeah. And then a whole bunch of other references that kids just today wouldn't get because, they didn't grow up with Jack Nicholson or uh, William F. Buckley. Right. <laughs> <laughs> For all the kids. I mean, I don't know. I know we all love a good William F. Buckley impression, but <laughs> some provisos, some, <laughs> he does that twice. He does. He goes back to the Buckley. Well, it's just so much water to be drawn out of that. Even Groucho Marx, I feel like we had more context for than kids today do. Well, I will say I actually probably, I mean, when I was a little, little kid, I laughed or however young I was when the movie came out, I laughed at the genie just because he was colorful and zany. Right. And then I think I went through a period where I liked the genie, but I, it was actually in some sense more for my dad. Like maybe I would just laugh because the adults were laughing, but I didn't really get it. I felt like this time I actually chuckled, like not, not too many times, but two or three times. I just got a laugh out of a line that I knew, that I remembered, but... You just didn't quite put together. Yeah, like, oh, I'm being beat by a rug. Oh, he's doing Dangerfield. That's fun. You know, I still didn't get that (laughs) because I don't know Dangerfield at all. Well, the thing about those references is they were dated even then. Robin Williams comes from, like, the 70s and 80s, and he's doing a bunch of, like, like vintage Nicholson was the 70s. Dangerfield is 80s. William F. Buckley certainly had his heyday in the 60s and 70s. Peter Laurie is from the 40s. Like, they're, they're the kind of references that a hip adult would have gotten in the early 90s. But even then, they weren't, it wasn't like he, it's actually probably why they've dated it a little bit better than they could have. Like, if he'd just been doing MTV Not stars and late 80s, early 90s stuff. Yeah. Like, Shrek has a bunch of stuff where it's like, she's doing the Matrix kick and stuff. Oh, and it's man. like, that's really. Lame. Even then, it was slightly lame. Even then, it was a little bit lame. Now it's really lame. Aladdin, it's like, well, pretty much anyone who's culturally educated should know who Groucho Marx is. And I don't know. I guess one other thing I should say while I'm setting the to set the table is it's probably I I talked about this a little bit last time on the Beauty and the Beast episode for whatever reason, but it's important to know this movie really did usher in the era of celebrities doing voices. Shrek 
codified it. Shrek was like, Mike Myers, Cameron Diaz, John Lithgow, Eddie Murphy. You know, like all their names are big on the poster. Shrek, like, mm-hmm. was, Shrek was leaning into it. And then everything after DreamWorks, you know, like all crummy animations got a million voices. <laughs> you know. Well, I guess... The Grinch starring Benedict Cumberbatch. Listeners will have to wait for our DreamWorks edition, Sanity at the Movies, <laughs> to hear more about what we really think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we finally get to Shark Tale and... Uh, so, Nathan, what was, you might have, I think you might have said something about this in the Beauty at the Beast episode, but what's the, you know, if Aladdin's the follow-up to Little Mermaid and onward, what's the follow-up to Beauty and the Beast, you know, in terms well, of an artistic vision? Is I, it I Hunchback? Really, or uh, no, Hunchback, or? Hunchback is the team from Beauty and the Beast saying, let's see if we can take this even more serious. Let's see if we can make it even more adult. And I think failing actually right right well that, that's going the, a, a bridge too far okay. musker and um clements who did this movie i've got actually i happen to have it here their next movie was hercules which is a very jokey mm-hmm. self-aware celebrity riddled uh movie and then they did treasure planet and had some kind of failures but they've eventually uh helped with zootopia moana i really think shrek is actually the the uh, what do you want to say? The child of this movie, actually. Well, I was asking. I'm sorry. Maybe my question was unclear, but I was asking about the child of Beauty and the Beast vision, just because oh. I was interested in the thinking about Pocahontas. He said, right? Yeah, Pocahontas. Okay, and that's then, what I thought. Um, and Hunchback. And Hunchback, certainly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then after that, do does Disney give us anything? I'm just trying to remember. Well, now, I think even, basically and Beauty and the Beast's vision kind of lost i mean at one in that now we can do three-dimensional storytelling and certainly pixar and lots of good artists have picked up the baton but it loses in that they take a couple risks you know they try and do something serious with pocahontas people don't like it as much they try and do and it's not as good they they try and do something with hunchback which is a really interesting movie but it's not a very likable one you know and it's kind of dark and too scary for kids and too sexual for kids and stuff we watch Um, it all the time yeah, I mean, I've seen it my fair share of times. I saw it once and never Watch wanted Hercules to see it again. Too. Did you say Hercules, mm-hmm. which I still haven't seen? I saw Pocahontas once and never wanted to see that again. Yeah, that's yeah. same. But uh, it's the one I'm looking least forward to of all our Disney princess movies. Oh, are we? Is she's a princess? She's isn't next. She? Yeah. yeah, she's wow. Okay, mm, interesting. Oof. How about you just sub in Princess Mononoke? You've got you know nature spirits and stuff and. Um, some of the same themes oh man i wish we could yeah i bet you do well the important thing to know is i i think the lineage of this is so jeffrey katzenberg was chairman of disney at the time and he did not end well with disney and he founded a company he's the k you know dreamworks skg i think it is it's Mm -hmm. spielberg katzenberg and griffin i think or giffen and i don't know what the g is but the g is another power player and so katzenberg is mad at disney and his first move is to try and steal the thunder from a bug's life i mean this is all pretty famous hollywood gossip and so he rushes ants into production and then his second move is to which by the way i true confession i like loved that movie i love it too and i did not like bug's life but i thought ants was great we never watched ants I've still never seen it. We were we definitely uh, loved Bug's Life. I don't know whether it holds up or not, I, and certainly nobody's going to like it now. Now, given Woody Allen's doubt it recent history, but I remember liking it a lot at the time. It's yeah. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Well, and then Katzenberg did Shrek, which is just has to be understood as a middle finger to Disney. I mean, that is an angry executive getting back at Disney. 
people even say that the prince, the the John Lithgow character, is based on Michael Eisner, mm-hmm. who was in charge of that. Disney <laughs> at the time. Like he he mm-hmm. he looks kind of like him if you look up <laughs> Eisner. And so Shrek, we successfully tanked yeah. Disney. Shrek Shrek really hurt Disney in a big way for huh. me at least, and for a lot of people I know. Like really? I loved Shrek. I remember loving it too. Yeah, I did too. And they mock Disney so thoroughly that you just it ruins. Disney. You can't you can't make a Disney princess movie after that. Not sincerely. Not without some not kind without of ironic. Nod. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but I mean, now you could. I think they finally kind of cracked They've it. Turned a corner with yeah. Frozen, but yeah, I mean, Katzenberg was out to destroy Disney, and I think he did a pretty good job. You could argue that he effectively <laughs> destroyed their ability to do animation. I mean, two D animation is dead now. And maybe it would have died anyway. I don't know. I don't want to blame every. It's, it's easy to make a villain out of somebody like Katzenberg, who's just not a very. He's like a powerful producer. You know, he's like the stereotypical evil cigar chomping producer who just gets things done and cuts, you know, ruthless deals and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I mean, you see a picture of him. He's got these giant teeth. He he, he just looks. <laughs> what? Really? Just, I'm looking up a picture right just now. Looks, I just have to. Know. I got him. He's look at his smile. He's just got this kind of shark like. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking is. at Michael Eisner next. Hold on. Yep. Oh my. Does he look like Prince Farquaad or whatever? The Lord Farquaad. Oh, he does. He really does, doesn't he? <laughs> That's so mean. <laughs> of course, DreamWorks did give us Prince of Egypt, which is not. It's pretty great. Cynical. Uh, yeah, it's a good movie. I mean, I think that that's probably, if I had to guess, the Spielberg influence of mm. being someone who has some genuine respect for the story, actually, huh. you know, as a Jew. Sounds like Katzenberg is a Jew, too? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's interesting history. I, I don't know. It's if, if you want to understand Marvel and stuff like that, it's interesting to read about Eisner and Katzenberg and that whole era. Eisner was a guy who famously said, our job isn't to be artists. Our job is to make make money and if we and, and in the process of making money we'll make some great art actually but we need to make money that was his manifesto in the 80s he took over disney and his apprentice his heir apparent is bob Iger. and so if you want to understand bob Iger, if you want to understand marvel if you want to understand all the vicious acquisitions of everything under the sun that disney's been doing you kind of have to understand the eisner era and the eisner and, Kat- and katzenberg was the second in command he always wanted to be well he wanted to be he wanted to be you know, in, in charge with Eisner and they had famously had a falling out. <sighs> anyway, I don't know that, that any of that's either here nor there. I think it's pretty interesting if people want to read about it or look it up or, but Shrek isn't just, I don't think a middle finger to Disney. I think it's also codifying and solidifying that style. It's Katzenberg taking what he learned from Aladdin, which is get a big name celebrity and put their name all over the marketing and make it about the fact that it's Robin Williams. And you'll be able to bring adults in in a way that you actually can't usually do. And and suddenly you'll have something that can really bring in more generations and make more money. A lot of the ways that DreamWorks failed to actually do what Disney did, though, was they don't always really play to the the strengths of those those celebrities, right? So, like, the genie was written to maximize everything that Robin Williams could possibly bring to the table. Right. And so that's why the genie works so well for everybody. But DreamWorks, I mean, what was the point of Will Smith in Shark Tale? Tale. Yeah, or Martin Scorsese in Shark Tale or Robert De Niro in Shark Tale. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
I mean, even Disney came back to that well in Mulan with Eddie Murphy, and they did a good job letting Eddie Murphy be Eddie Murphy. Now, Shrek did it because they let Eddie Murphy, again, be Eddie Murphy. Well, a perfect example in my mind is um, from last year, and I don't know that, I don't think it was DreamWorks, but whoever, they did The Grinch. And they got Cumberbatch. And they made him do uh, an American accent. Yeah, and I don't know whose idea that was, but... (laughs) Why do you go and pay for Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah, Yeah. I I had to watch it in a situation where one has to watch things, but... Why do you go and get and pay big money for Benedict Cumberbatch to do the Grinch and then make him do an American accent? Right. Well... He's Benedict Cumberbatch. Or you think about the difference between the live action Beauty and the Beast where we have, uh, what's what's Obi-Wan's name? Uh, Ewan, McGregor, Ewan McGregor. And he's going to play the candlestick. And he famously had to go back and do it again because his French accent was so bad. And then you think about somebody like Jerry Orbach, who's not a celebrity like Ewan McGregor, but he's just a talented Broadway mm-hmm. performer who happens to do a great Maurice Chevalier or however you say that guy's name impression. And... It's fun, you know? I mean, Angela Lansbury is probably the biggest name in Beauty and the Beast, and she's not someone that you necessarily... I guess she's a household name from Murders You Wrote, but she's perfect for Mrs. Potts. Bed Broomsticks. Yeah, which I've never seen. We'll have to find an excuse to watch it sometime. (laughs) I guess we will. Um, Oh, by the way, Katzenberg is Quibi, or however you say that. Quibi, the the new service that just launched yesterday as, as we record this. They've been promoting themselves since Super Bowl. I don't even know about it. Yeah, it's like... In a Quibi? It's a oh that yes, it's the yes, ten yes, minute yes. little things right, that you can right. watch I on your phone. That, They're supposed yeah. to be maximized for your phone. It sounds like a terrible idea to me, um, <laughs> but like here's everything that's bad about YouTube and nothing that's good <laughs> for more money. <laughs> but <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Maybe okay. So one other piece of table setting, just because I think all this is pretty interesting. Robin Williams had a major falling out with Disney yeah. uh, about this. I don't know if you guys remember this. No, but I don't. <laughs> Robin Williams, for some reason, thought that he could tell Disney. You're not going to use my likeness or my voice to advertise things. Now, how, what kind of, I sympathize with Robin Williams, maybe not wanting his genie voice to suddenly be selling burgers. Okay, fine. But this is Disney we're talking about. The fact that he thought that they would ever honor anything or that he could ever put them in a corner. I mean, he was pretty big at the time, but he wasn't genie big yet. (laughs) You know, he was about to be genie big. He was hook big, which was big, but not, Mm -hmm. you get to dictate to Disney how to use you know, this is huh. this is Disney we're talking about. And so he said he didn't want his name and his like his character used a lot in the advertising. And he said he didn't want to be used to sell things. The The animated movie that Robin Williams was actually excited to do because it aligned with his politics so much was Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest, oh, a movie that I loved as a kid. I um, liked it as a kid. And I haven't seen it since ooh, then or thought about it. But Robin Williams plays Batty the Bat or something like that. He's pretty funny in it, I, I think. But that came out the same year or thereabouts as Aladdin. It's got Robin Williams in it. They had the idea to use Robin Williams in animation first. And that was the one that Robin Williams really wanted to do. And then they said, hey, Robin Williams, you want to be our genie? And he said, no. And they said, well, we took some old stand-up and we animated it. And isn't this cool? And he said, okay, I'll do it. And I'll do it for scale. I'll do it for the minimum amount of money. But you can't use me in too much of your advertising. And you can't use me to sell hamburgers. And then, of course. I mean, I don't know what he thought would happen, but they used him in the advertising. They would argue that they honored the letter of the law. Like, if you look at the posters, the genie is only taking up a fourth of the poster, which was what was contact fracturally stipulated. But it's his big blue frame, you know, hovering over the title. It's like, we're going to make this as big as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Um, And then they just blatantly, I think, used him to sell hamburgers. 
And so Robin Williams was mad and you can find old footage of Robin Williams being mad and, you know, making fun of taking opportunities to make jokes about Katzenberg, about Disney, about all this stuff. And he, of course, didn't come back for Return of the Jafar. They got Dan Castellaneta, the voice of Homer Simpson, to do it. Although I think he did for uh, Prince of King of Thieves. Yeah, they did. And what happened was Katzenberg had left Disney by that time. The new guy came in. The new guy happened to be a friend of Robin Williams. The new guy said, Robin, we're sorry. He he issued a public apology. And then Robin Williams did not get paid scale for <laughs> Aladdin and the King of Thieves. Robin Williams made a lot more money for Aladdin and the King of Thieves than for he ever did. Much for, lesser movie. <laughs> for, wow. Yes. He probably came in and did like an hour of work for Aladdin and the King of Thieves and got a million dollars or something like that, which a million dollars was worth something back then. <sighs> so it's all pretty interesting history if you like Hollywood gossip. But the legacy of Aladdin, which I think I talked about this in the Beauty and the Beast episode, really is celebrity voices, whether like Jake was saying, whether they fit the character or not. You know, we're going to get Johnny Depp to play Rango. We're going to get <clears throat> Johnny Depp to play something at all. I mean, a guy who's not known for his great vocal prowess. There are a lot of really talented voice actors out there. Seems too bad not to use them. Well, it really is. Like Jafar is played by a guy named Jonathan Freeman who just has a great voice. And Jafar mm-hmm. wouldn't be played by Jonathan Freeman if they were animating it now. They did have him played by an unknown in the, the live, action, in the live yeah. action, which was good. I'm trying to think. Will Smith was really the only major star. Yep. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you're going to do something and have cast a major star, you can't not cast a star as the genie. I mean, unless you have such an ace up your sleeve, like this person is going to be a star by the end of this process, mm-hmm. which I suppose you could maybe take a risk on. Mm-hmm. But what you really need is a a star. I don't know. Pixar's kind of held up the baton, I guess. I'm trying to think. I mean, although Toy Story was Tom Hanks, and Tom Tim Hanks Allen. and Tim Allen. That was yeah. Who else? You had some other. You had Ernest. <laughs> yeah, you had Ernest <laughs> playing <laughs> you, the dog. You did. <laughs> Then he, tra- he he died tragically. So I think Toy Story 3 and 4, he had some poser. Yeah. Don Rickles has been replaced as Mr. Potato Head, which is too bad. Uh, but um, John Ratzenberger plays... Rex? Who? Rex, I think. Yeah, yeah I think so. Sounds C-Rex? familiar. I don't know why I even know that, but... <laughs> well, he's in every... Yeah, he, he played a character in every Pixar movie. I'm pretty sure John Ratzenberger did. Well, another good example is they got... You guys may not even remember this, but Mel Gibson played... John Smith and Pocahontas. I did not remember that. And it's like, why? I think I tried to forget Pocahontas. In yeah. General. <laughs> which, Even which, more than Hunchback. Which, I just, is, which is completely fair. Yeah. Well, and, and to be fair to Toy Story, actually, Tim Allen and Tom Hanks are pretty awesome at what they do in those yeah, movies. It's not that celebrities can't be right for the part. And it's not that Disney hadn't used celebrities to their advantage before. Oliver and Company he's is ham. Uh, he's ham. He's ham. Yeah, that's right. And he's oh, got, a, he's got ham. the perfect yeah, voice ham for ham. Awesome. Yeah. Oliver Company is Billy Joel. Uh, Oliver Company's right. got Billy Joel and Bette Midler. So um, when are we gonna watch that? I've never seen it. You've never seen yeah. Oliver and Company. Should I? I think you should. You're you're yeah. a Disney completionist now. You can't not. I remember. It's fun. I you liked know, it as a kid. For there's sure. something that's so depressing about that pre-Renaissance kind of early 80s Black Cauldron, Oliver and Company, just watching those movies makes me kind of sad. Like, Why? I don't know. It's just like, here's a creative team that's flailing and doesn't quite know what to do and is going different directions. And Oliver and Company is probably not a good movie, but I definitely liked it as a kid. <laughs> we'll have to watch I it sometime. Know. Have they made a new one yet? <sighs> it's Disney Plus. No, they, Disney Plus did Lady and the Tramp. Yeah. What era is Lady and the Tramp? 
Oh, Lady and the Tramp is 55. I like Lady and the Tramp. I think. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I think I do. And I do get it confused with the Aristocats, which ones has the Siamese... We that's are Siamese. Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, that's yeah. Lady and the Tramp. Okay, Creepy yeah, Siamese you to, cats. You have to go back a little further for that much racism. Speaking of racism, let's talk about Aladdin. What do you guys think about the opening Arabian Nights number? It's great. It's fun. I'm glad you like it. <laughs> 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 I do too. Well, I really like Aladdin. I didn't like the new one, and Jake likes the new one. So that's that's one of the things that's weird. But... Well, I think the new one's fun and colorful and kids like it. And I also think that you, I think Aladdin is a good story and you don't. And that's been a point of contention. Yeah, that's basically true. I guess we should just talk about this. Forget about the scene by scene. There's not a lot to say. I don't think of scene by scene. But here's, here's my thing about Aladdin. Jake's absolutely right. I don't really buy the, some of the central conceits of the story. I'm fine with it through the third act. Or for the through the third act. I'm fine with it through the third act. <laughs> but act four, man, it goes off the those, rails. Those credits? Terrible. <laughs> yeah. And then Return of the Jafar. Return of the, the Jafar. Return of the Jafar. I, man. Okay, so act one, fine. We're setting up a protagonist. He wants something great. It's fine. It's maybe a little bland is what you could say. The protagonist himself. But he was less bland than I remembered. He's pretty cocky and fun and he jumps around and... One jump is a great introduction for a hero. Princess Jasmine, she's a zero as far as I'm concerned. Not in the looks department, maybe, but in the writing department. All her material is really thin. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder if if Ashman hadn't have died, whether we wouldn't have gotten a song or so, just a wittier setup for there's this girl that feels trapped. Because it is about the most generic girl that feels trapped setup <laughs> that you could hope to have in a movie but it's fine it gets the job done her one scene with birds is she sets the birds free she sets the birds free and she's just complaining to raja and uh, i like that the prince that gets bit by the by raja has the standard cartoon red red (laughs) red heart underwear or whatever (laughs) i like that all i've always been bothered by the fact that his pants are what i know i know i was thinking that last night go ahead his pants are what are bitten off and you see him walk away with his red heart underwear and then Raja's got red heart underwear in his mouth ma- in her <laughs> mouth or his, his mouth yeah. or whatever. It, I've always been bothered by that. So yeah. He should like, have his pants and not the it's, underwear. Jake, it's one of many plot holes. Yeah. In <laughs> Maybe the plot. That's actually why I don't like the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about, it's really a it's plot. the main hole. <laughs> 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 well, Jake, they didn't want to show his naked rear end. Yeah, but they could have just given Raja his pants mm-hmm. instead of, yeah. His pants weren't memorable. You wanted Raja to have the memorable thing. I, I know that that was the logic, <laughs> Dan. I just, I'm just saying that even as a kid, I was bothered. But I noticed and I knew it was inconsistent and I did not like that thing. It's a little bit like me hating the fact that Belle doesn't eat enough during the... Yeah. It's like, she's supposed to be eating. What's wrong with her? So, okay. First act, fine. Second act, uh, everything into the second act, Jafar discovering Aladdin, Jafar dressing up as a creepy old peddler guy really grotesque character that's fun i like all that i like the setup i think it's a good mix of comedy i like the arabian nights number i think it for a kid at least really puts you in that exotic arabian world in a way that i think the new movie completely drops the ball on i mean they even had to take it down right wasn't the original lyric where they'll cut off your nose to Mm -hmm. if they don't like your face or something like that and they had to change it to 
the sands are hot or something like that. I don't know what planet, what's the original. Oh, I come from a land from a faraway place where the caravan camels roam, where they'll cut off your nose if they, they don't, don't like, like your, your face. face. It's barbaric, but hey, it's home. But uh, now it's like, what is it, Jake? Surely you have this memorized. Surely you have it memorized. Come from a land from a faraway place where the caravan camels roam, where it's breadth and is immense and the heat is intense. It's barbaric. Yeah, it's barbaric, but hey, it's home. Yeah, they had to. Hmm. They, they even then the uh, Arabic population was not happy with that lyric which I can understand. But that's all fine. That's all fine. The the scene with, uh, what's his face? The Aziz, humble thief. That guy. Yeah. That's, that's good. Yep. Good table setting. I had to slit a few throats. Yeah. But Even I that. got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got it. The Cave of Wonders opening up and talking, it's all magical. It's all like you're buckling your- scarab. Your oh, man. Yeah, the scarab. Yeah. Just Jafar clinging to his camel as it races across the desert beneath the diamond sky. It's wonderful. It's all- this first act could be in the best movie of all time. It's a really good first act, even if the leads are a little bland and we're not quite there with their development, maybe. But then is that second act? Is that second act? Uh, and the third act. But the third act is just trying to clean up the second act's mess, I think. Well, is that true? Maybe that's not true. I don't know. Anyway, I think it's just fine for a kid's movie. I loved it as a kid. I still think it's a good kid's movie. I still think it's a good movie. But like Ben was saying, it doesn't really hold up to him as an adult it, what this movie does lack is that additional element that additional element of consistency in the characterizations of depth of understanding of human nature of all those kinds of things what is inconsistent in the characterizations well here's what i don't like i don't like aladdin's deception i get that they set it up but i don't buy it maybe i do buy it and it just feels like a cheesy teenage rom-com which is not the stuff that for me personally, at least, and this is a subjective opinion, not an objective critical fact, but for me personally, that's not what Disney movies should be made of. I can still to this day see myself as the beast or as the prince or as any number of things, but man, Aladdin is evoking such a slim, quick part of my life where I hope the girl likes me. I should pretend not to have pimples, which was a very real part of my life, but it's a part of my life that I left behind. You know, It's not eternally resonant. So I don't like that. And then I just think you don't want to make a movie where the characters are dumber than the audience. And Aladdin is dumb for perpetuating this deception. He's got a genie backing him up. He's got a wish left as far as he knows. He's got all kinds of options for solving this problem that don't involve just lying to Jasmine so that the plot can have a few extra twists in it. Uh, and when she discovers him, when she's when they're sitting on in China, I guess. Yep. And she says, you're Aladdin. And then he decides to go forward with it. I don't buy that. I get that the movie lays enough brick to make that make some kind of sense. But Aladdin is being dumber than I would be, dumber than I think the average person would be for the purposes of the plot. And I don't think that they quite overcome that. Um, I get that it's all there sort of like it's all structurally like it's not hard to tell me a reason why aladdin would do what he does they've they've put it in but it's still especially for a guy that we're supposed to respect that we're supposed to think is cool that's supposed to be our hero that we haven't really had any indication i don't know it just goes by too quickly doesn't really have the the legwork put in psychologically which maybe isn't something that you're allowed to say about a disney movie but you could say it about beauty and the beast or the lion king or the ones that i really really like or else they're just totally flat and I like them for other reasons like Sleeping Beauty. And then, man, Jafar is so dumb in the third act. Like his wishes 
like, come on, dude, you've been dreaming of this your whole life <laughs> and you're going to go through your three wishes. Like, like here's an idea. Make yourself the greatest sorcerer of all time first and then take over the kingdom. Do whatever you want. Here's an idea. Know enough about genie lore that you don't get tricked by Aladdin's dumb trick. Now, Aladdin's trick is great for a kid's movie, kind of, because kids are like, like they get it. They're one step ahead of Jafar or they're just barely. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh what's the word it's pitched at just the right level so that a kid can catch on after aladdin but before jafar and have that delight and i don't begrudge a kid that and and so i say it's a fine kids movie but it's just not a fine movie that still works all that well for nathan yeah aladdin and jasmine's romance is kind of insipid be yourself is a dumb lesson yeah that's just it's that middle act and the machinations that we have to go through with all the sort of angsty rom-com john hughes stuff I'm laying on and I'm going to shut up now and I'm going to give you a chance to respond. Well, I think that if that level of be yourself message is a lame message, then you have to not like any Marvel movie that where the lesson is, well, you feel like a worthless idiot without your special suit or without your special hammer or without your whatever. You grew up an orphan that everybody kicked in the street and kicked mud on and called a street rat feeling worthless and unloved your whole life. And you thought that you had to become something that you weren't. And you thought you needed a special powers or a genie or something to make you special. And at the end of the day, hey, it's okay to be who you are and to bring a little bit of street smart savvy. With with a little bit of street smart savvy, you can actually save the day and be the hero. And turn out turns out the girl will still like you and things can work out for you. I mean, that is every Marvel movie. That's every Marvel hero. And that's half of every superhero story that you like. And so to say that that theme is too insipid to make a kid's movie work is, I mean, it really does rule out pretty much everything. I don't want to step on your time to respond, but can I respond to that point? Sure. I think I think you're right. So when I say it's a dumb message, okay, if I'm going to really stick to my guns there, I'm going to have to eradicate half of the movies that I love. I do think... Laying aside the question of whether it's a dumb message or not, I think a lot of the Marvel movies that I like best, a lot of the movies per period that I like the best are better at selling the message to me. Like this movie is quickly kind of jerking me through as an adult. Again, plays like gangbusters for kids and that's the primary audience and that's fine. But as an adult, it's kind of jerking me through these plot motions quickly in a way that doesn't quite bring me along and doesn't give me the space to just let go and believe a a marvel movie there are a lot of marvel movies actually that have the same problem Mm -hmm. mr stark's gonna be mad at peter and take his suit away for disobedience and then peter's gonna figure out well i should actually disobey in the right way and then mr stark's gonna be happy and Mm -hmm. but it's gonna feel good because the movie feels good well it'll feel good because you feel like peter actually does suffer Right. And he actually does deal with his fears and stuff. But with Aladdin, you don't feel that way. You just feel like there aren't really consequences except getting thrown into a world of ice and snow or a tower almost crushes you. But that's well, just but like if, every danger he's I'll, had. I'll, I'll argue Jake's point side for a minute. When you're a kid, at least, that ice and snow thing feels so big and so mm-hmm. epic that it actually does feel like, whoa, my hero got stripped of his clothes. He got thrown into a tower. He got yep. sent to Siberia. That, what punishment could, you know, it actually yep. does. As an adult, it's like, well, that was over quick and yep. Aladdin sure did solve the problems. But as well, a kid, it works. Also, the tension of telling the lie and living the lie and feeling trapped in the lie. Mm-hmm. It 
does, I think, even for a kid feel like punishment enough in itself. A kid actually is that dumb to perpetuate that kind of lie. Yeah. A kid actually will dig his heels in because of his fears. Yeah. At the dumbest possible moments when everybody else knows what's going on because he's afraid of the consequences of telling the truth. And every kid knows that feeling and every kid feels that suffering and that punishment along with Aladdin through those points. And yeah, it is dumb uh, from an adult perspective and it is thin. I don't disagree with really anything of what you said. I just think it's- Kind of a moot point. It's a kid's movie and it's the kid's version of the same exact story that we love to tell and Mm. that we love to watch and enjoy. And I think it's silly to not be willing to give that to a kid's show in a kid's show kind of way while still taking it for ourselves in Iron Man or Spider-Man or anywhere else. I hope that I do. I mean, I wouldn't want to... I hope there's not a bunch of kids listening to this podcast right now having Aladdin ruined for them. I'm sorry if you're a kid and I just ruined Aladdin for you. And if I had kids, I don't think I'd want to share these thoughts with them until they yeah. were adults. Yeah, I know. Like, it's a good kids movie. If I'm holding it to a high standard, it's because, or to an adult standard, it's because I think Beauty and the Beast and some of the other ones have proved that- They can take it. They can take it. But I also, that's why I wanted to stress the point that these guys making this movie didn't actually know that. They were making the next step up from The Little Mermaid. They weren't making the thing that was going to be in the lineage of Beauty and the Beast. So I think there's a way in which the makers of this movie are still thinking of it more as a kid's movie in a way that Disney doesn't really do anymore. These days, they have to try and well, make it work for It's a for kid's movie life. that threw a lot of bones to adults in its comedy. Right. That's right? the other and thing. That is, mm-hmm. that is, like you've said, like we've, all said from the beginning, that is the real legacy of it. Right. Like if you can make Shrek play like a kid's movie to kids and like an adult movie to adults, right? you know, that was going to be the sweet spot. If the Incredibles could have some jokes for mom and dad or whatever else, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, like, so the Incredibles is a really good example of what I like though, because the Incredibles just feels like a story that wants to be told. It's just a good movie. It's just it a is. good movie. And it's kids, an objectively good movie. Man, and the there's plotting. things for the kids to learn and for the adults to learn. And there's jokes that adults... But it's there is something, I think, and I love Robin Williams in this movie. I think he holds up. I think he's really good. I think it's just a wonderful marriage of talent and other talent. But there is something inherently cynical about that whole approach of, you know what, actually, this movie isn't for adults. The story is for kids. So let's put in something for adults. And so adults are, we're assuming adults will check out during the story part. They don't care about it. It's not for them. But let's make sure that there's something that they'll really, really like. I don't like that as much as an integrated story. Yeah, I did remember. That was another thing, this viewing, is the separation of those elements. Like I just felt it the whole time. It's like, Here's Aladdin in a kid's movie. And then here, we're layering on these jokes. But that's like another realm. It's like another movie or something. It was important to remember to how fresh into. and awesome that felt at the time. Oh, like, yeah. no, as Even a the kid, guy with the hookah well, and fries. Kid, it's, it's like, great. whoa, this guy's just like, he's yeah. modern comedy. Like, that right. part was Oh, yeah. Big. No, no. Well, I loved it. And I think, that, I think that what you really don't get with Disney is Disney pulling it all together, actually, until you hit Lion King. Because I don't think that Beauty and the Beast hits for kids. Yeah. The way that Aladdin nope, does. That's fair. Nope, and nope, I don't nope. think I Agreed. agree with you that Aladdin doesn't hit for adults the way that Beauty and the Beast does. But I think the Lion King hits hard yeah. and strong. 
hmm. for everybody. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I really that wish we could just watch that. Huh. They're both, maybe we should watch it behind the paywall. That's not a bad idea. Huh. I think that they were big learning moments, big steps in the right direction mm-hmm. for Disney. I think the Lion King's where it all pays off and where it all comes together. And then everything seems to fall apart after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think but, it, what yeah. you really look see is you see the Robin Williams, you see the the crass, cynical, let's make sure adults have something lineage being taken too far. Like, in other words, they didn't decide to make more Lion Kings. They decided to make more Aladdins. And that made yeah. sense because Aladdin was a huge moneymaker for them and continues to be to this day. But it was a mistake artistically and ultimately financially because, you know what, there's a, there's only so many Robin Williams and getting Danny DeVito to do his act for Hercules or things like that, you know. And the, the next closest thing was Mulan. Yeah, Eddie Murphy does a good job in that yeah. one, as I recall. That's been yeah. years and years. Mulan's the only real win in that camp. Right. I mean, Hercules was a fine fun sort of movie i think the people that have really taken the baton and you you could argue whether they're still doing it these days or not but the golden era of pixar yeah is really those movies feel still haven't seen onward yet but it's in disney plus yeah i haven't i haven't seen onward i need to watch that but things like uh the incredibles or ratatouille or Mm-hmm. Like those movies just play for everybody. Yep. yep. And the slapstick is funny for adults and mm-hmm. the yep. dramatic stuff is mo- makes kids cry and it's just like and adults and cry. adults and yeah. adults cry. Yep. Like pretty amazing. They are yeah, it's just masterful. It. Yeah. And it's like that process through the 90s is kind of being experimented on and distilled and figured yeah, out. Pixar became the place where you could still tell sincere straightforward stories and you still had to have nods and stuff right i mean the incredibles was just one big nod Hmm. but yeah it was but man that movie really works yeah Um, yeah it does (sighs) well i think we ben where do you weigh it you haven't actually said where you if if nathan is team I, i think we've actually hashed out our differences in a positive way but just for fun if nathan is team well that sucks because it doesn't work for adults, man. And Jake is, I have wrapped myself in the flag of childhood. And I know that Aladdin is a great picture for children. <laughs> think of the children, Nathan. Well, I think, I think. By the way. Yeah. My kid's favorite joke of the whole movie does not belong to the genie. It belongs to Jafar. They think it? Jafar Refusing to remember Aladdin's name, Abu Prince Abu the whole time <laughs> yeah. is the funniest joke of the whole movie. That's awesome. You know, what, one of the things that made me laugh the most, actually, in watching it this time, is Jafar goes to shut the door when during the Prince Ali number, and then he just right. gets smashed. <laughs> it's like a, it's pretty you've funny. never seen anything that undignified happen to such a scary Disney villain. <laughs> like it's just ridiculous. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even Jafar doesn't about get that too. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't get his dignity. The whole movie. It's no. pretty great. <laughs> he was a scary snake, though. He was a scary snake, yeah. man. Uh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> he, got, he got some awesome puns there. Oh boy! Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he Things did. are unraveling quickly, boy. <laughs> get the point. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 princess, your time is up. Your time is uh. up. <laughs> Yeah, he yeah. did. Down Basi- boy. Basically completely humorless Don't character. Don't around with me. <laughs> That's pretty. Yeah, that was great stuff. Uh, so, Ben, where do you fall on the spectrum of what we've been talking about? I think I like it, but I honestly, 
I, I'll feel indifferent towards it until I watch it with a kid. Mm-hmm. So it is important to remember that Jake has the ability to actually watch these movies with kids. Which I think makes a big that difference. is important to remember one way or another. I still like it. I don't not like it. I just, it's not, it's not like I want to, it's not like I'm a kid. I want to watch it over and over again. Yeah. But I remember those days. Can we talk about a few things that really don't hold up? Like the CGI and the cave sequence is just really bad. Was it? I, I didn't I think s- it was that bad. I still thought it was really cool. Really? I, I also thought it was, I was like, I was waiting for it to not hold up. Uh, and I thought, well. When he goes flying vertically up that wall. That's not, not vertically the gr- down the wall. Yes. Down I, thought the wall? That was, I thought that was, I was like. Really? It was so exciting. Yeah. I thought it was still exciting. I yeah, was looking I forward too. to that sequence. <laughs> like this is going to be this, one of the sequences that really holds up. Is just like did you watch great- it on Disney Plus? Yeah. And did you? What kind of TV do you have? I mean, an HD TV. Huh. Uh, our TV is not very fancy, but it's still. I mean, I was noticing that the you know oh the quality of the CGI isn't what it would be today. Yeah, but- I, I noticed that too. But I thought I still thought. That whole stomach churning swirl oh, man. down the thing. Super so fun. I, was, I was waiting for it to not work, and I was like, "Oh, actually, huh. maybe it was just expectations." I was like, "This is the one thing that's gonna really, really work," and then it was like, eh. no, uh, I loved that sequence. So cool. I still thought the tower scene in the snow was. Oh great. yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah. And man, the new one, I don't even remember what they did, but they bungled that. They did not have a good ice sequence, if I remember correctly. It was ice, and then he goes down, he he has to go down. Do some flips or something. Yeah, he has to sort of like parkour. Do his parkour thing, yeah. Like, you know, uh, brace himself up against either side of the crags. Uh I don't know, something like that. Yeah. Well, I I like one plot thing. Yeah. I just want to point out the fact that in a night, Carpet manages to take them around the entire world. Mm Mm-hmm. Makes it completely consistent for him to hop on carpet from Antarctica or wherever the crap he is uh-huh. and get back to Agrabah super <laughs> yeah, quick. That's true. I never even thought I never even considered that. Uh, his carpet mean, is pretty awesome. Pretty fast. Carpet's carpet. great. I will here. Let me say some good things about this movie. Man, what a supporting cast. This uh-huh. this movie has even even short of Robin Williams. Abu's great. He's this grumpy little, like, Abu's a, I, I would use a different word if this wasn't a Christian podcast. He is a jerk of a monkey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he makes a great, hilarious slapstick elephant that climb, that runs up a tree. He's a good tag team with Carpet. He's Yeah, and Carpet's uh-huh. great. The body language when Carpet slumps his shoulders <laughs> and walks oh, away man. dejected. So much yeah, fun. They did a killer job of giving Carpet tons of personality. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got, I don't know if you want to say you dig I- I- Iago as the tag team. Everybody's got a an animal partner yeah. in this one, and I think that that in and of itself mm-hmm. is fun. It's pretty fun. Iago. Jafar's got Iago. Jasmine's got Raja. I was trying to think. Aladdin's got Abu. Yeah. Iago got some laughs out of me this time, I have to admit. I mean, Gilbert Godfrey is pretty annoying, but yeah. the... I don't know, just some of his over the top. <laughs> I'm having a heart attack because I'm so surprised. <laughs> like, all, that, all that stuff was yeah, kind of yeah, fun. Yeah. <laughs> and then just the glee that the animators, all the dumb, like when Iago gets hit and then the little sultans go. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or when he does the thing where he goes, well, I don't know what, it's even spoofing yeah. where he does the water. What is that a spoof of when he goes down the staff? Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. There's some mechanical object, I think, that does that. But, What's the best way to do this? I don't think we need to do scene by scene, but uh, maybe there's there's still some stuff to talk about. Is there anybody else in the supporting cast? Sultan's pretty. Sultan's fun. Pretty lovable. A lot more by Allah's and Allah be praised and yeah. Allah this and Allah yeah. that than I 
I, re- I didn't remember that. No, I, remember I didn't either, that. no. Yeah. Which is interesting for a Disney movie to even be that overt in, its, in any kind of acknowledgement that religion is any kind of anything was mm-hmm. was kind of interesting. <laughs> I wonder how many Allahs there are in the... Probably in the zero. Probably mm, zero. I'm sure zero, yeah. It was also interesting to note that I think Aladdin is going to become the sultan. We're yep. not going to go with this dumb plot conceit where Jasmine becomes yeah, the no, sultan. Explicitly stated, Aladdin will become sultan. Mm-hmm. Which actually makes the law about the princess not being able to choose her own suitor make a lot of sense, <laughs> in my <laughs> humble opinion. Yeah, no like, here's yeah. an idea. Let's not choose a street urchin to be our <laughs> next sultan just because the the princess is in love with them. Because the 15-year-old the princess. The 15-year-old princess, Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Jasmine. We have to talk about Jasmine. First of all, is it bad faith criticism for me to be annoyed by the fact and just bothered by the fact that she's 15 the whole time? I think it is. I think, I don't know, whatever Disney had in their heads, all their princesses had to be young before, and now they don't. I mean, it's pretty but standard. But they don't, they don't play them that way. Mm-mm. I never thought of Jasmine. I've never to this day thought of Jasmine as being 15 or 16, just like I never actually thought of Ariel as being all that young. No. Nope. No, Ariel, Belle. Do, Ariel. Belle's probably the same age. Yeah, I never thought of Belle being young. Belle but, reads as a t- some you know early twenties. Ariel basically reads as an early twenties. She does. She's not drawn as early twenties, but her voice and her her whole deal is early twenties. And Jasmine reads as early twenties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe eighteen. I mean, I think I think Jasmine probably reads the youngest of any of them. Maybe, but hmm. Ariel reads younger. Yeah, Ariel. I is think so. You're right. You're yeah. right. Yep. You're right. And 16-year-old birthday is just kind of a fairy tale sounding number. I think that's what you'd say is like. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, it's the same creative team, as you said. And it's, they cast their princess at her 16th birthday in both times. And when you're a kid, I mean, that does feel like a magical adult. Right, it does. Yeah, you don't even think of it. You just think of Ariel as like the unattainable babe. And all unattainable babes are older than you at that age. Yep. What do you guys think of Ariel? In general, Ariel or no, yeah, Ariel. What do you what do you think about <laughs> Ariel in general? I did, didn't. Jasmine. Well, you already said she. You thought she was kind of a zero of a character, and she's there's not much there. Short of a little bit of that '90s feminist mm-hmm. spunk. There's they right. really don't give her much. They. I always liked uh, Jasmine in the marketplace, um, bowing down to the Sultan and thinking the camel's the doctor. That's a fun scene. That whole that was fun. fun. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, hello, doctor. <laughs> no, not that doctor. <laughs> that was pretty great. Yeah, that was a good scene. That that actually, I mean, I know they're not actors, but I was like, oh, you know, Aladdin and Jasmine have some real chemistry here. This is nice. <laughs> <laughs> they, go, they go up to, you know, his little hovel. That scene is nice. That whole scene, the whole, they actually do a pretty good job of quickly sketching in a relationship between those two. You can imagine how old Disney would have done it or they wouldn't. Well, you can imagine how old Disney wouldn't have bothered to do it. And you can imagine a lot of ways that it could feel a lot thinner. And before that, before she gets out, she's got that relationship with Raja. Yeah, Raja's you know, good. Raja's going to be sad that she, but, you know, help her get up over the wall. And I just can't stay here anymore. I can't deal with this pressure. Yeah. And so they've got all of that going along. And then she feels like a, a girl that just wants out. And you can... Kind of a first world problem. Kind of a first world problem. But I, I even think that in some ways it's a pretty fun, I mean, if you're going to go meta with a humor to, instead of sing with the birds, this is the first Disney princess that doesn't sing with birds. Mm-hmm. Instead, she lets them out of the cage. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. There you go. And I don't know. It is 90s feminism, but it's 90s 
feminism that feels better drawn in than just headstrong Ariel who's going to just do what she wants to do. Well, I might argue that Ariel is in fact a more well-sketched out character. Because she's just a petulant child. But she's just an awful character. Like, I don't like Ariel. Jasmine is thinner, but psychologically, but also less annoying. I wish they would have given Jasmine a little bit more, but the new one, I I understand now why they wanted to flesh her out so much. I hated all the ways that they fleshed her out, but I get the urge to flesh her out because there's not actually a lot here. You could argue there's not a lot for Aladdin either, but at least we kind of get a really fun introduction to Aladdin. That's kind of what I wish is, and I, I really wonder, like I said, if Ashman hadn't have died, if we would have gotten a, just a more clever introduction to Jasmine, just something a little bit more, mm-hmm. more colorful. Hmm. You said to to your mind, the Chinese rooftop scene was the biggest failure and it's because Aladdin wouldn't really lie in that situation. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest failure of that, I think it, that scene is the biggest failure. And mm-hmm. I think it's because Jasmine actually wouldn't, wouldn't buy it, wouldn't just decide to buy it and snuggle into mm-hmm. Aladdin's shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not the Jasmine that that we've had to that point. She yep. just is suddenly going to, oh, okay, uh-huh, you know, and tuck her head into him. You just have to flatter her in the correct way. Exactly. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's not. Yeah, she. It should have been her, her, her affection should have been more hard one than that. Yeah, I think so. Especially if she's going to be that hard for everything leading up to that. I, but Aladdin's mm. actually pretty consistently unwilling and unable to believe that he can be himself and win. Yeah, that's true. Like 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 I said when I was trying to head all your arguments off at the pass, they do a pretty decent job of laying it in. I did think it was ironic, speaking of Jasmine, that I, I never thought of this before, but uh, probably because I didn't remember the song, In a Whole New World, mm-hmm. Princess... When did you last let uh, let your heart decide? When did you last let your heart decide? And I'm like, she. That's always what she does. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? Like, it's like, are you tracking with jazz? Jazz it is. I mean, (laughs) but but that doesn't play if you're thinking it from uh from the audience perspective. But if you're thinking of it from Aladdin's perspective, and his what he's actually trying to do is to woo a girl who feels trapped. Uh huh. mm -hmm, Yep. In this. Absolutely, that line yeah, plays. No, good, mm. good, good seduction, Aladdin. It's a great seduction line. When did you, when it, it's as much? When did you, when were you last given the opportunity? Yeah. Who was the last person that actually lets you do what you're like? I can, I will. That's what a future with me looks like. Yep, totally. No, I, I agree. I made the mistake of psychoanalyzing that entire song, and my wife is still to this moment mad at me because she says I've ruined it. But there's a lot going on in that song. I'll just say that much. <laughs> yeah, I thought about it a little while we were watching the it. Freudian implications. Then, then I stopped. Are rich. <laughs> I stopped thinking. Well, let me say this much, Jake. We were having this conversation the other day. Jake was. Did you want to say what you said about uh, the the three Disney love songs? We did. Kiss the girl. Mm-hmm. This whole new world, and what's the other one that? Uh, Taylor's uh, oldest. Taylor's old yeah. time, and Jake was arguing that I don't remember exactly what I was arguing. Dating, marriage, and honeymoon. I think yeah. it was. That was my argument. I think Jake was just saying, "Kiss the girl" was the best, or I think well, kiss the most the, romantic. Kiss the girl is in many ways the most romantic. Yeah, right. Yeah, and my argument was it just depends on where you're at, where you're at, and what you are nostalgic for. If you're nostalgic for that first kiss, or if you're currently dating someone, you know, if you're in high school. Obviously, Kiss the Girl has to be the one. If you're on your honeymoon, then it's a whole new world. world. Which, if you want to know where my Freudian mind went with that song, that's it. And then 
Beauty and the Beast, which is to my mind, the one that's the most romantic right now in my life is the one that's about like relationships and making it work and asking forgiveness and getting along. And then somebody bends unexpectedly, which is that's just the one line. Yeah, really. And it's inevitable. And uh, barely even friends, then somebody bends. Yeah. And this you're part of a pattern that's been happening over and over again. Right. (laughs) And as a someone who's whatever I am, eight months married, like, yeah, that made me cry. You know, when we want it's like, oh, wow. I'm part of the eternally reoccurring pattern of of marriage, and I bet unexpectedly, and now we're married. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Whereas our first kiss was like an awful dystopian nightmare. So you know, I don't really, <laughs> I don't want to think about that. <laughs> um, so there's my it's a whole new world thoughts, uh, folks. Uh, where would we rate Jasmine's modesty on a scale of one to? Never let your kids watch the movie. (laughs) As close to never let your kids watch the movie as you can get while still letting them watch the movie. (laughs) (laughs) So like a a two? Oh, man. Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. The whole movie has girls clothed even less modestly. Man, there's a lot of... All through it. Can your friends do this? Yep. Well, and then we're going to get a lot of jokes about, still, I think he's rather tasty. You're going to get her. You're going to get the genie in the Prince Ali number suddenly turning into that type of character. I don't remember what the lyric is there, but, you know, he's suddenly like a, a big bosomy lady. There's a lot of that kind of stuff in this one. Probably the most of anything we've watched. I don't know. I think that Little Mermaid's got to beat. I think if you put Ursula together with... Yeah, that's oh. true. Ursula, yeah. I think if you put Ursula together with even some of the stuff that the Little Mermaid, I don't know what my evidence for this is exactly, but Little Mermaid feels grosser to me somehow. Yeah. It just feels dirtier, probably because it is. But I think it is. I'm not going to on the podcast right now try and marshal all the evidence because who wants to have that conversation? But Mm-mm. they are the two, yeah, most immodest and sleazy Disney movies. If you want to, you're never going to see. No. Two princesses. You're never going to see a princess. Somehow or another, and I don't know how, the Little Mermaid live action movie, she will have something besides yeah, well, a bra. Yeah, they'll do something. They'll do something. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's actually kind of a hard so- problem to solve with a mermaid, but I bet they solve they'll, it somehow. They'll, Even I with mean, the, they'll make her fish scales go all the way up to her shoulders if they have to. Yeah, they'll or just, do something. Maybe they're, they're just lots of convenient hair all the time, maybe. There's all kinds of ways you can solve it, but the one thing you won't do is have her be as exposed as Ariel is for most of that movie. No way. Oof. Uh, boy. Yeah, there's there is that smutty something for daddy kind of feeling to those both those characters, mm-hmm. where it's like we're gonna write the character the way that we think a '90s empowered woman would like, but we're gonna draw the character. It's the same kind of bifurcated feeling of well, Robin Williams is for adults. It's like well, Jasmine is drawn for dad, but she's written for mom. Mm, yeah. You wouldn't get you. That wouldn't fly today. Yeah. Thanks, feminism. <laughs> Sincerely, I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, well, today what you get is a Jasmine that is dressed much more modestly. And acts much more immodestly. And acts much more immodestly. Yeah, that's true. So Doesn't seem like a great trade. It's me. not a great trade. No, this is one of the last times that you could have a princess just get rescued by the hero and not like do a kung fu kick and break herself out of yeah the sands of time or whatever 
Yeah, no, every princess since Jasmine, I'm willing to bet, has that moment where, I mean, Mulan's obvious. Mulan's obvious. Nala's obvious. Pocahontas uh, probably has. Pocahontas, the whole story conceit is she saves the guy. Right. Which is fair. I mean, that is the story of Pocahontas, but still, I don't know. I'm going to guess Enchanted saved herself, Tangled. I don't know. Yeah. We'll find out some of these. Not but. seen, I've only more or less seen Princess and the Frog, and it is a princess saves the frog story pretty much maybe we all have a little bit of frog in us one final note on body image type stuff it really bothered me the whole movie that aladdin didn't have any nipples (laughs) they were just always like covered by his dumb little (laughs) 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 it's like was that a note did they have to do that like would would it have felt more immodest Uh, i don't know probably good answers to the question i'm sure that they weren't allowed to there's not even a time when he like jumps and the thing like goes up and we it's just like and maybe that's for the best. I don't know. I just, the whole time I was like. I actually last night made a comment to Amanda about Aladdin not having any nipples. And she was like, what? <laughs> I never noticed that. <laughs> I mean, it's cleaner, especially if you're going for a Hirschfield inspired clean line design. Yeah. It's cleaner not to have all kinds of little curly cues. The Sultan just has that one when he's nude from the waist up he's just got that one wonderful little white tuft of hair in the center of his chest yeah um <laughs> looks like a spring looks like a spring yeah <laughs> meredith was actually confused she's like does he have a spring on his chest <laughs> oh i'm just looking through my notes to see i i did take note of your time is up don't toy with me things are unraveling fast now get the point i'm just getting warmed up those all come right on top of each other oh yeah (laughs) that's like some roger moore james bond level (laughs) punning right there (laughs) uh what did you guys think of jafar as adults watching this movie i love jafar how does he hold how does he rank as far as villains go i think he's a lot of fun i think he's fun he's fun i wish he were more thoughtful i wish he had better plans (laughs) his plan stinks (laughs) yeah 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 jafar does take stupid pills before the third act of this (laughs) yeah 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 all the way through it's like you know oh oh i got an idea what if you married the princess what really (laughs) jafar he really isn't that smart he's just ad-libbing the whole time and doing it pretty poorly (laughs) yeah and he happens to be pretty powerful and stuff in some way and then we take the father-in-law and the little lady and we drop him off a cliff yeah Jafar, not smart. It's like Iago's the brains. Iago man. really does feel like the brains. And Iago comes up with the idea of of marrying Jasmine, right? Like that whole. That's yeah, that was just reference. That's what yeah, he was yeah, quoting, yeah. yeah. By the way, this movie, only one of the only movies to have a pivotal plot point hinge on a character being tricked by a parrot dressed up as a flamingo. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole her, her third act hinges on Iago's ability <laughs> to dress up as a flamingo and trick Ali, Aladdin. Oh, Ali. Oh, Ali. I'm out in the menagerie. <laughs> <laughs> they, they bring the right level of stiltedness to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I half stiltedness because yeah, they do exactly too. <laughs> <laughs> Pun. What are you looking at? Pun not intended, but welcome. I I will say, as far as Jafar went, I was a little disappointed that he wasn't didn't actually. Hold, I don't think when you compare him to Ursula or Scar or Maleficent. Or some of the greats, he actually is quite there, just simply because he doesn't have. He's mu- more like Gaston. He is. Well, except for Gaston is intentionally two dimensional, and I think interesting because he starts out as a comic foil and then becomes the a psychotic villain at the end. Jafar is just kind of 
a two-dimensional mustache twirler without much of a sense of humor until you get to that unravel part without he really is he's a great look he's a great he voice gets slammed into the door by the door yeah you know he gets he get he he's a comic foil at various points he is he is yeah he, but play, you know, he plays the weird creepy old man the weird creepy old man is awesome i yeah, love that was, that design is. the fact that jafar somehow <laughs> has a mask or something with all these pointy teeth <laughs> yeah, was, it's awesome it's <laughs> <laughs> great um, yeah. sorcery or something my, yeah. yeah my wife was commenting about how his kids they were they would always be so confused it's like how does his math ha- mask have all a mouth with all these teeth <laughs> they like could not figure it out and i was like honey it's like magic or something she's like yeah but it's kids we he couldn't explain it. <laughs> so <laughs> those teeth did stick out to me. No pun intended. Again, what I liked about Jafar in particular was his animation. He has, if you watch it, he has this great way of being very still and then coiling up and then doing his movement. You know, Iago will be blathering. Jafar's hand will just slowly go into position and then snap his beak shut. Yeah, and he always kind of has that snake-like movement mm. where he's going to coil and then strike with everything that he does and it's really it's some really great animation jafar might be the coolest aesthetically you know the coolest drawn coolest animated disney villain that ever there was i'm not sure the writing's quite there it doesn't need to be though that's ecstatic that's a great line ecstatic ecstatic we're all so excited (laughs) yeah that was great i think the greatest disney villain frankly might be coming up not in our rundown but the next movie scar i think probably for me takes the cake in terms of oh, just in the last episode i thought you were down on jeremy irons i was i didn't mean to be i thought you were maybe i took stupid pills or maybe you were just no i think you were down on the cast why they had to cast jeremy irons and why they couldn't go with somebody like no yeah i was just making the point that no i i think jeremy irons is brilliant i just i was just trying to make the point that you couldn't name most of the actors in Beauty and the Beast, whereas by the time we get to Lion King, it's Matthew Broderick, it's James Earl Jones, it's Jeremy Irons, it's Jonathan Taylor Thomas, it's Cheech Marin, it's Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. It's But um, you wouldn't want anybody different. No, 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 no. You Jeremy Irons is awesome. Not Jeremy Irons, and you wouldn't want not James Earl Jones. You could do a different, you could do a, No. You get rid of Matthew Broderick, you get rid of Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Well, yeah, I, I'd actually maybe even go this far the Lion King is a good counter argument because I think all those celebrities are pretty great. Cheech as the hyena and Whoopi as the hyena. Great. They had to, they cast Jonathan Taylor Thomas and they had to have somebody sing for him. Right? Yeah. So maybe get uh, an y- actual, I think a black voice would have been good for that part actually, as it, since it's such an African kind of story. I, um, Donald Glover doesn't really feel like his heart's in it, but that was the right direction to go in the, in the new in one. The new one. Broderick is pretty insipid voice but he's fine but yeah jeremy irons rock i wouldn't i wouldn't swap out anybody i think that they're all pretty well suited to the parts and it's not like they had to get somebody that we've heard of to play the monkey rafiki you know it's like Mm -hmm. ed and rafiki the two great characters (laughs) (laughs) heads just got the uh-huh. <laughs> and his head makes a rattle sound. I always, I always loved Ed. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. So, let's see. Is there anything else? I feel like we, you know, Aladdin's a beloved classic. I want to do it justice. Is there anything else that's worth talking about? Anything you guys want to talk about? Anything we haven't talked about? It's pretty great. Have we done Robin Williams full justice? Did you guys think he held up? Did you like 
Robin Williams in this movie? I think it's one of his best performances. It is one of his best performances? Yeah. Yeah. What would you put above it? I'm sorry. I I couldn't understand whether you said I didn't think or I do think. So I was just clarifying. I do think. Yeah. I do think it's one of his best performances. I'm not sure what I would put above it. Nothing. I, I mean, I think hmm. he was born to play this role. What, what, what you see in a lot of movies is Robin Williams wanting to be the genie and them having to tell him be boring instead. Like you can get a better guy to play Mr. Keating in Dead's Poet Society or the psychiatrist in Goodwill Hunting, although he's fine in both of those. But Robin Williams was born to play the genie. And he's pretty great. Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire. <sighs> I've only ever seen it once and I don't have a Peter lot of- Peter Banning. Who's Peter Banning? Oh, fuck. Cook. Yeah. I liked him a lot in that movie. Because he does come uncontained as the movie progresses. I don't like fun. Robin Williams' flavor, generally speaking, of sincerity. To me, Robin Williams always feels like, okay, now I'm going to do the sincere part of the movie. Like he's well, trying we- really hard. Like he's actually a pretty sarcastic, sardonic, hard-edged man. And so when he tries to be sincere, it has that flavor of a child, a parent speaking down to a child. Even in Aladdin, when he has to do like the, hey, Al, I love you scenes it just mm-hmm. has a little well edge. i don't know it comes across as have you used this movie on sanity at the this this term at sanity at the movies before bathos mm-hmm. bathetic yeah, yeah like yeah. that overly sentimental like syrupy kind of just some, like something is not it's like so sincere it's not sincere yeah like robin williams is a guy that's pretending to be sincere he doesn't actually yeah know how to be sincere or something yeah, yeah, i don't yeah. know but he's great in aladdin it is hilarious to sit back and think how many of those references don't land. I mean, even for me, like there's stuff I don't get. And certainly for a kid, it's like they don't get any of it, but they just think it's funny because the movie's like, hey, it's funny. Color, energy, stuff, things happening, voices. You don't You don't have to know who William F. Buckley is to think it's funny that he's suddenly doing this doing British thing. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's just yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do have to know who Rodney Dangerfield is maybe – or well, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson's the one that you know. All right, Sparky. Here's that. Like, what is that? If you're a kid, like as uh, as a kid, I just thought that was funny too. I just thought it was it was like its own thing. I I remember getting both Dangerfield and Jack Nicholson. But I think it's I think the reason I got Dangerfield is because I think he was a coach in some dumb sports kid sports movie, Ladybugs or something, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I remember that vaguely. And then I had seen Batman, and so I knew Jack Nicholson. I knew that was I I knew that was a Joker type of. Hmm. joke yeah, i don't remember like i would have gotten groucho because we i grew up with the marx brothers i don't I, know i got peter Lorre, be, not because i knew who that was but because looney tunes had their own mad scientist peter Lorre, and i thought it was just that right so. yeah it's funny how these references echo through right. the ages <laughs> <laughs> well peter Lorre was also in the brave little toaster like not he was dead oh. by them but they have a character that just people love that voice so much they haven't been able to let peter Lorre <laughs> just die they keep putting him in things. Huh. I think the corpse ride has a character that talks like Peter Laurie too. How could it not? How could it not? <laughs> <laughs> that great animated classic, the corpse bride. Not a fan. Uh, well, there's an example of a movie that's ill cast but with celebrities like Johnny. There are people that could have played those characters so much more colorfully than Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter, as much as you might like them. They don't have great voices. <sighs> I really appreciated. I did. I expected to be more annoyed by the genie. I thought that he was really funny this time. Like, he was fun. It worked. How's that for a condescending comment? 
I think that the thing that has been beloved by all of humanity since it happened was pretty good. I'll give it my stamp of approval. <laughs> I, I like the moon landing, too. I thought that was great. Washington crossing the Delaware. <laughs> okay with me. <laughs> Constitution. Constitution. I, I give it two thumbs up. Two <laughs> yeah. big thumbs two up. Two big thumbs up. <laughs> Gettysburg Address, pretty okay as far as, you know, yeah, as far as if preachers you like go. that kind of yeah. rhetoric. <laughs> Hamlet's soliloquy is pretty good. You like music, the Beatles, they're okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> One of the greatest comic minds of his generation doing something that was indelible and will never be repeated and was great and took the world by storm and was awesome. Pretty good. I liked it. I, I, you know what? Maybe it's because I don't always like Robin Williams' stand-up when I see it. Like, I don't always think he's funny. Sometimes it just oh, seems yeah. like he's like, I don't know trying too hard or something it's like all that energy can kind of get to me but they just they know how to dull it out or something i don't know i don't know what the difference is but maybe animation's just a medium that can keep up with and capture what's great about robin williams i i don't know well robin williams stand-up is super spastic mm-hmm. and on right on top of itself and in a in a movie he's going to be alongside he's going to have a foil he's going to have a straight man he's going to have any number of other things to play off of or that they're going to make him play off of yeah that's true yeah that's a big part of it uh, is there anything else to say about anything ben your closing thoughts yeah. closing thoughts all right jake you have a non-closing thought yeah i have a non-closing it, oh, okay if you think of all of the comedic talent of that era the mm-hmm. 90s into the to the early 2000s you have the same sort of problem with jim carrey or with even adam sandler which they just they're they're all too much mm-hmm. in and of themselves and when you, they have to be comedic by themselves in a room comedic on screen by themselves in a room it's just a lot it's a lot yeah they're only ever worth anything if they're playing off of somebody and even then it's got to be the right thing hmm. that's interesting I think I think maybe I like I some people like their comedy to be more riffy and I like riffing and stuff but I I always like it when it sounds like there's a plan to it when there's like setups and punchlines and stuff like that that's I've always liked that sort of thing and so those guys that are just pure like I don't even have jokes but I just have a style a and style energy, a a bent. vibe they can be good I, and I and I know people love it and I I love it too in the right context but it's never really been quite as much of, of what I'm I going like. to talk like this all the time. Oh, and when it's an annoying, <laughs> no, passive aggressive. No. <laughs> Here's the thing about Sandler. I've never seen an Adam Sandler movie in my life, by the way. I've except seen lots he's, of Adam Sandler movies. Except where he's not being funny. I've seen Punch Drunk Love. Maybe that's it. Yeah, which he's good in. It's really good. But Punch Drunk Love is about a bitter, passive aggressive, aggressive, yeah, angry. I know. I know. Well, that's, that's when everybody always knows that Sandler's at his best is when he's playing to himself, right? That's why he's was his Uncut Gems performance was so highly regarded. I've not seen it. Yeah, I mean, but, no, probably won't. It but if you just, awesome. just watch the trailer his and you know exactly yeah. who he's playing and you know exactly why he would actually be really great in that role. Yeah. Well, my my two-second hot take on Adam Sandler is he's about 30% too handsome for what he does. Like, Sandler's a pretty good-looking guy, and for him to play a character, as he always does comedically, who has a chip on his shoulder, who's kind of stupid, who resents the things that life has given him, it really doesn't work because Sandler actually, to me, for, for my money, doesn't look like a guy who life has ever treated poorly. 
Like you need somebody who looks like Ernest, <laughs> you know, to play the kind of dumb, <laughs> resentful characters that Sand. Like there's a way to be an angry comedian. And plenty of people do great at it, but you really have to have the stage like present. David Spade. Yeah, you have to look like like David Spade. Nobody resents when David Spade is mad at the world. Yeah, because he's just a little twerp. Or when Groucho Marx comes in and starts insulting everybody, it's like, of course Groucho Marx insults everybody. It's the only weapon that he's got in his arsenal. If he didn't insult people, he'd be dead. Like, this is survival for the Marx yeah. brothers. They're these little Jewish guys that the only weapon they have is their wit. But Adam Sandler, it's like, you've got your looks, you've got your talent, you've got, you look, you just have the presence of someone who has so much that you shouldn't be angry. Um, you have a charming smile, you can sing, you can... You look like the kind of guy that gets the girl. And the kind of guy who gets the girl generally isn't isn't funny or can't be funny in that way. I mean, you can be, you know, somebody like Robert Downey. He always Downey. does get the girl anyway in right. his movies. But it's never, you know, it's it should be a surprise. <laughs> you know, huh. like, they want to tell the story of, well, he didn't, he was just the nerd who didn't deserve to get the girl. But it's like, of course he's going to get the girl. He looks like he's going to get the girl. He, he doesn't look like a nerd he looks like a jock so there's my hot take on adam sandler you're welcome everybody yeah ben your final thoughts speaking of people who are so incredibly handsome that you just don't buy anything that they do comedically ben what are your final thoughts on aladdin mm. yeah it's hard for me to be passive aggressive bitter little man nathan yeah. because of that very thing yeah so, what can i say yep uh it's good i like it i don't know what to say about it would you would you ever have any any, any interest in watching it again outside of kids i don't think so I feel, or at least maybe in 20 years, I'll feel different. Don't mean to be harsh. I don't think that's being harsh. I just think I was totally saturated with it as a kid. And it's more fun maybe to leave it in that memory. That, that is probably another thing that's actually worth just coloring in a little bit is, I mean, I know we said we know this movie backwards and forwards, but it is one of those movies that how can you approach it with any kind of fresh eyes? How can you come to it again? Mm-hmm. Like it's... It is our childhood. I had dreams about this movie and I didn't see it nearly as often as you guys did, but huh. I remember dreaming the plot. Like I just watched the movie in <laughs> my dream. It's pretty cool. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a great dream. That yeah, was. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> but, yeah, totally. Uh, this is a hard movie to come back to. And there's not such, outside of some of the songs, there's not, so, and, and maybe William's performance, there's not such prowess. Great as the Lost Ark, like you can thoroughly digest it and you can still just admire it. Technically, you know, like, yeah, wow, so, yeah, this action yeah, scene yeah. is put together. Wow, Harrison Ford, what a star. You could, there's things that are indelible that Aladdin, it's got a couple of musical numbers that are indelible. It's got Robin Williams, who I think is, you know. Yeah, the musical numbers are not nearly as indelible as, I think, Little Mermaid of the last three. This is a step down. Like, really I have to. takes the prize for. Really over Beauty and the Beast. I th- I think so. I mean, I don't know. I haven't listened to the soundtrack for Little Mermaid for a long time. So. For me, I, I would argue Beauty and the Beast, but I know what you mean. Little Mermaid is pretty great. You got under, yeah. yet under the sea. You've got Kiss the Girl. You've got uh, almost at a whole new world. Yeah, um, yeah. I was thinking that too, and then I was like, No, that's not right. What is it? Dang it, Aladdin! You ruined it for me. <laughs> Dang it, Aladdin! <laughs> Dang it! Uh, um, <laughs> world up there. The I, I really cannot get a whole new world to stop playing. It's undercutting. What are you trying to think of? Now? Part of our world. Part of my world. Yeah. There you part go. of your world. Part of your world. Yeah. Yeah. Part of your Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then Ursula's song. Oh, man. Yeah. That song's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. you've got Gaston's song, you've got Beauty and the Beast, and you've got that 
condescending, look at all these stupid poor provincial people. Oh, I love that one. (laughs) (laughs) Also great. I like to just walk around town, (laughs) COVID-19 notwithstanding, I like to walk around town and just look at all the stupid people and have that song playing. (laughs) It's like, man, they don't get me. Uh, I was going to say. They all just think I'm a, uh, they think I'm beautiful and also weird because I'm so smart. Right. (laughs) All these idiots. (laughs) Right. And I imagine they're singing, there goes a man who is strange but awesome. (laughs) Wow. What were you going to say, Ben? Oh, I was just thinking, so going back to being saturated with this as a boy and enjoying it as an adventure, it is a little funny to me that now, you know, the boy inside me has grown up into an older boy who still likes <laughs> to watch action adventures. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what are his what are his favorites? Well, the 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 second Sherlock Holmes movie by Guy Ritchie and the King <laughs> Arthur movie by Guy Ritchie, which is which is funny because Guy Ritchie did the. The, re- the, the, the live action what Aladdin and Aladdin doesn't like engage that part of me at all. Guy Ritchie's Aladdin. It should have been way more Guy Ritchie than it was. Man. There are a lot of problems and shortcomings with that movie and it really was a waste of time and they could have done a lot better. I still enjoy it. Yeah. Fair, fair, fair enough. I think I just, I, I, I think I, that's true man. of basically every Guy Ritchie movie though. I like the Sherlock Holmes Guy Ritchie movies. I liked the Arthur movie. I like. I just think I I like Guy Ritchie, mm-hmm. and I always think that his movies, man, there's always something almost fatally wrong with all of them. Something undercooked or huh. overcooked. But at the same time, I just enjoy. He's a good visual storyteller. I just enjoy. He's a really good storyteller. Yeah, I think that he's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I wish he would have been unleashed on that Aladdin. It's too bad. Mm-hmm. Whether it was his fault or their fault, or I think I honestly think I'm glad I haven't seen gone back and watched that live action. I, I, I'm glad I didn't go back and watch that live action Aladdin before coming to the animated version again, because I think it might've, I think the new one might be so colorful and fun that it would actually spoil it and make it look flat. Huh. And I know that hmm. everyone's criticism of, or at least your criticism of the new one is that it doesn't live up to it, but I think it just doesn't live up to what it was for you as a kid. Well, I always sort of think, so one thing that you can, we've talked about before with Star Wars is, you can argue about whether it was good, a good or bad idea, but what they effectively did when they made those new movies, you know, the Ray trilogy, they didn't make sequels to the actual Star Wars movies. But what they did try and do is make sequels to the way that those movies felt when you were kids. So what I mean by that is Star Wars feels really dark and big and scary when you're a kid. You watch it now. It's not that dark and big and scary, right. but they made their movies much more intense, much more PG-13 much more dark, big, and scary, so that for millennial adults, they would still kind of actually feel... The way it felt as a The way it felt. And I think that's what I wanted with Aladdin. You go, and you know, maybe that was asking too much, but you go back and watch Aladdin, the animated movie, it's pretty thin, it's pretty quick. It's, you know, its sense of Arab culture isn't that uh, (laughs) (laughs) well-developed. Agrabah seems like a city of about five slapstick guards and a couple shopkeepers. You mean city of mystery and enchantment? (laughs) But when I was a kid, like that title came up and that weird Arabian font and the music was playing and then the guy was going across the desert and then we saw the city. Like it had this enchanted, exotic, otherly Arabian. I know the word Oriental is considered inappropriate now, but I don't know what other word to use. I don't know what the proper word for that is. Feeling to it. And I just really hated the fact that like they could have changed the plot. They could have changed the characters they could have done whatever they wanted but i wanted that feeling again from an aladdin movie 
And maybe a, a lot of people, what they actually wanted was a comparable comedic performance or a comparable romance or comparable any number of things that they remember and love about Aladdin. But what I really liked was that feeling of mystery and enchantment and stuff. And this new one just didn't, didn't I do think that. we need to quickly hit the live actions for our behind the paywall people for Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin again. Yeah. And, and we need to do Aladdin again in view of having gone back and watched the original. Yep. All right, folks. We'll be behind the paywall talking more about the live actions. Maybe we'll probably smoosh it all into like one thing because I don't know that we have like an episode's worth to say about each of those live actions. But um, any closing thoughts on Aladdin? Have we all given our closing thoughts? Mm-hmm. Okay. Thanks for listening, folks. Sanity at the Movies, produced by me, executive produced by Jake and me, performed by the wonderful Benjamin Solzer. He actually did all three parts. That was just him talking the whole time. It still is. He does a great impression. I, I should say I do a great impression of me, quote unquote, Nathan and Jake. And Nathan loves Aladdin. He thinks that the real Nathan thinks it's great. It rockets him back to his childhood and he's just a big kid at heart. <sighs> All right. This is me, Benjamin Solzer, signing off. I'm not even going to let Jake do the thing. Actually, maybe I will. I'll do an impression of Jake doing the thing. But I'll set, it up, I'll set him up for him in my real Ben voice. Until next time. What should I do? Be yourself. <laughs>